listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 95 of Cinemental. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? I don't know. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Then why don't you kiss me like everybody else does? How about no? The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. I came here like this so you'll know my word of death is true. And that my word of life is then true. everyone, welcome to another episode of the Movie Podcast that we can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hobicky, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Hassan Godwin, and Latham Conger III. Our guest tonight, best known for his cult comic series, Minimum Wage, in 2018 realized his childhood dream to become one of Mad Magazine's usual gang of idiots. Alas, Mad was soon thereafter essentially euthanized, and he accepts only partial blame for that. His latest book is the comical Dottie's Inferno, and coming in October, he'll be radically revised author's edition of his novel Pariah, released as Pariah Redux, both published by Heavy Metal. Bob Fingerman, welcome to Cinemental. Thank you for having me. You are uh, very welcome. Uh, another, another good hookup from our friend Dean Haspiel, who, uh, who was able to put us in touch Um we had, uh, I believe, our paths had crossed at some point in the past at a convention, I have no doubt. And, uh, you know, uh, this is a uh, uh, just another another good turn from Dean uh, uh, with uh, getting us someone else who loves movies as much as we do. And uh, I know that you do uh, kind of mini capsule reviews on your on your Facebook feed of movies. So uh, which are fun to go back and uh, I, I spent I spent a little time a couple of weeks ago just drifting through your feed and, and catching up on a bunch of them. They're quite yeah, amusing, most, to say the least. Yeah, most of my recommendations come with uh, a lot of caveats. So, <laughs> As uh as as I, as they often should with people, because you know everyone everyone can't be you know luckily everyone can't be the same and like the same thing. So, I can't. Um, I can, so I can you know what easily. we should we should probably um, we've got two very interesting films to talk about tonight. Mm. So uh, we should probably start suffering from consumption. Uh, Bob, would you like to play along? Sure. Just uh, <laughs> anything you've watched recently that uh, that you found interesting or hated or whatever. Well, I think this dovetails with uh, Latham's uh, entry. I watched that Sons of Sam on oh, Netflix. So did I. Uh, you know, I mean, basically, that's that is a chunk of my childhood when those murders were happening. And that was right in my neighborhood, basically, you know, at least some of it. So uh, I'm not going to lie. As a kid, I didn't think about it too much, but I was aware it was going on because it was everywhere. You know, every single tabloid had Son of Sam on the cover uh, for, you know, weeks on end. So even a clueless kid like me, you know, it penetrated. <laughs> but I thought it was I thought it was uh, very interesting because it's really not a documentary about David Berkowitz. It's about this. I would call him borderline journalist or fringe journalist named uh, Maury Terry, 
who became obsessed with the case. Uh, and I'm not going to do spoilers, but really it's more about kind of what happens when you start creating conspiracies and then trying to make reality conform to your theory and how lost you can get if that's the path you take. So that was very interesting. And I just watched that on the heels of uh, Disappearance at the Cecil Hotel. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah we can watch Netflix, that. We've all seen that. Which, Great. which definitely also gets into the whole conspiracies <laughs> overwhelming the truth, you know? So it was kind of a, a one-two punch of that kind of thing. In the case of Maury Terry, I think his heart was in the right place, at least for the first decade he was on the case. But in that Cecil Hotel thing, my takeaway from it was how repulsive I find the quote unquote community of, you know, online detectives who really think they're entitled to information that's not really up for the public's consumption and how they lurch to conclusions without really being in possession of any of the facts except for the most basic. Right. So it was just like, look at all of these ghouls <laughs> kind of circling around this case who all think they know what's happening better than the police, better than the, you know, better than everybody. And so I thought it was interesting. You know, I'm not a big true crime guy, but I, I actually found both of those to be very compelling. We both I like uh, it. I like both... the way that. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I like the way that uh, documentary kind of set it up where you're kind of you, you're thinking that the you know that the storyline or the the narrative of the documentary is with the sleuths the online sleuth and then in, when it reveals itself it's like yeah you guys all look like idiots now yeah, you know and it's it, so great that's why it's such a great documentary it, it's and they all had to really backpedal which was which was uh, very gratifying i found out uh, yeah. yes <laughs> the one thing i'll say bob about the uh, the sons of sam series it's four episodes Mm -hmm. and if you know the son of because they just did netflix just did a son of sam uh series like under a year ago they did an, a mini about the son of sam um i can't remember what it's called but that entire first episode of the four is essentially a recap of the son of sam killings so if you have the, the son of sam information kind of down already I will say you can watch about the first five minutes and the last couple of minutes of that first episode. And it's really just a recap of the son of Sam killings. And then episode two takes off with that next chapter that I have to admit, I had never heard any of that stuff. I had never no, heard I. any of that like follow-up and that's surprising with, you know, kind of with the, the, the exposure, it at least appeared publicly to have in New York, and I just I I had never heard any of that as a quote unquote possible either addition to or alternative tie-in with that case. So I was just like, this is this is crazy. How did all this how did all this just get like, you know, like you said, you you can you can you can tell the public all you like, but you can't make them believe it. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think the NYPD come off too well in that because they <laughs> It's so obvious that they wanted a neat conclusion. So anything, yeah. it's really what it is, is it's, it's dueling narratives. And I suspect there's a hybrid where some of the conspiracy stuff probably is true. 
And, you know, it's they were too dismissive of, of the stuff that Terry dug up, but he was too committed to stuff that was a bit far fetched. Yeah. In, in trying to join all the dots, I think he went a little off the deep end. <laughs> but there's definitely something to some of the stuff he did on Earth. Yeah. I mean, basically, it did what I think some good documentaries do, which is it brought up more questions than it had answers for. But they're interesting questions. It really was. And like I said, there was just everything in there was stuff I didn't knew. I knew nothing about and never heard of. So from that, from that standpoint, it was it was really well done. Is that, is that all you've uh, you've kind of watched? Well, you know, um, other than my homework for the show. Uh, no, I've actually I've watched some really heinous movies, just bad, really bad ones. But the, the, they're <laughs> maybe too off topic. <laughs> Give us one. Sorry? Give us one of them. Give us um, one was Beyond Dream's Door. I just got a, a uh, package from Vinegar Syndrome, and, and one of the things in it was a uh, volume one of a, I guess what's going to be an ongoing series called Homegrown Horror, which are real kind of outsider art horror movies. Very micro budget. And uh, Beyond Dream's Door was interesting. Um, you know, I think their budget was maybe $10,000 and, uh, it has ambitious ideas, but not really the bandwidth to make them (laughs) come across on screen, (laughs) but you know, at least they were actually trying for something. So is this an older film? Yeah, Yeah. I think it may, I think it's 1980. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. So watched that and, um, something called. Battle for the Lost Planet, which was also a micro-budget 80s movie. <laughs> a pattern. Yes. Well, I, yeah, I have my own little movie nights with with a buddy, and and I think we're both really masochistic, so we tend to, <laughs> tend to very seldom watch actual good movies. Yeah, I try I try to balance it, but we I I more often than not end up watching. Uh, crap because it's highly entertaining i think i hear my dog at my door so i'm gonna let her in yeah, go ahead and this is the part in the horror movie where we witness a heinous yeah. crime <laughs> have you i you, oh you haven't well, yeah you wouldn't watch it anyway never mind oh the uh the zoom horror movie no not yet and you know what yeah Probably not. <laughs> I thought it was well done. I thought they did a really great job with that. That that Zoom horror movie host that was on Shutter. Did you watch that, Bob? I didn't. I've heard some good things about it. I was. Uh, by the way, uh, everyone who's listening, if you suddenly hear weird noises, it's because my dog's face <laughs> is right in front of the mic. So right. I didn't suddenly develop some chronic uh, uh, old... respiratory ailment. <laughs> The old dog in front of the mic trick. The old you know dog in front of the mic. <laughs> that's right. If you hear any farts, it's all her. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, uh, likewise, I watched Sons of Sam as it dropped last week. And then uh, on the heels of that, I just did a quick kind of, uh, you know, you know, wh- what else you might like. I went through the, the what else you might like uh, uh, menu Rabbit that popped hole. up. Yeah, and uh, I found I found a six part series on the Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh called Wild Wild Country, uh, which was super interesting, way more than I expected it to be. 
Um, that whole story is just insane. And honestly, you, I don't know if, uh, if it's trying to, to have the effect that it kind of ends up having as far as telling the story of the locals. It's basically this, this Indian guy from, from overseas comes over and, you know, he, he starts what everyone refers to as a cult, even though you could argue that it had the earmarks of a cult, but may actually not have been it, you know, it's, you know, six of one, you know, six cults of another, but uh, in like in the middle of nowhere in Oregon. So uh, there's one town 19 miles away with a population, a population, I swear to God, 50 people. And, and they just, the, the 50 people all lose their minds at this cult growing, you know, 12, 20 miles from them. Um, but they end up building a town and get it incorporated and they do all this stuff. And then, and then the town starts basically fighting back with them and then it all grows into a much bigger thing. But anyway, uh, wild, wild country. I would, I would definitely, uh, worth checking out if you're What's that on. It's on Netflix. Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's another one on Netflix. It's it's, a, yeah. And then that's the, uh, that's, that's all the TV I watched. So for movies, I watched uh, a bunch of a bunch of document well a few documentaries this week. Uh, one called Fatal Game about these two buddies who went went to climb Everest, and the one guy essentially uh, figures out that on the way back down from Everest that he has to leave his climbing buddy behind because there's no way that he can make it down with him, and the guy is just unwilling to move. And you know the guy the guy down at the first radio stop basically says you know, you have, you, you can move. I got a guy coming up. Why don't you start making your way down towards, you know, you can meet him halfway. Then you guys can go back up and, and try and get him down. And basically the guy in the radio, the guy on the radio even admitted, he said, I was doing everything I could do to get him to come down just to leave his friend. Because I figured if I could get him away from his friend, he goes, I would have a better than not chance of at least getting him Mm -hmm. down alive. And that's you know essentially what happened is what have happened to the fact that to the friend why was he why was it, it so certain that he wasn't going to make it i so, mean i know i know it's i know i know everest i know it's like okay. dying like every minute um yes. but i mean you know like was it uh was it due to like poor planning they ran out of supplies they ran out of oxygen they or- ran out of water and the guy couldn't the guy just you know basically hit a hit a wall above what's known as the third step and he just couldn't get down past he just couldn't get himself to go you know and it was just uh, a thing where he's like you know you have to move you have to move and you know i i have this weird you know i have no interest in climbing everest for sure but i have this i have a very solid interest in the adventures of the people who do go up there um, and, oh, so many of them are the same reasons, but I, uh, it's, so the stories are interesting to me. So I, I, I end up defaulting a lot to like mountain climbing disasters. Why didn't he yeah, just great. eat yeah. snow? Uh, well, it's a great point. I mean, I, I honestly, know. I, I know that's probably, that's probably an easily answered question, but you know, there's water all around you. If you do something, you know. yeah, it's technically not because it's not it's non-oxygenated and it's there's a lot wrong with it you know and it um it can crystallize 
if you eat it too fast before it uh, before it liquefies. Yeah, I mean, you're, and, just, you're just you're turning your body, you're you're helping your body temperature go down by eating something that cold. Yeah, and taking something. It's out. bad. Like Everest is bad. Everest is like supposedly <laughs> a very, it's supposedly a very easy mountain, which is why a lot of people climb it. There's not a lot of you know crazy. <laughs> There's not a lot of crazy climbs that you have to do or, you know, insane feats of physical, you know, uh, prowess that you have to have. But uh, people forget that you're you're you know, you're You're walking. You're walking at cruising altitude for a 747. Yeah. Yeah. And you. Yeah. And you're you're you know, you get up there and then people supposedly have the summit fever where they they'll leave friends behind just to get to the top. And then yep. they'll, you know, they'll do everything they can to get to the top. And then they've, they've exhausted all their supplies. And they, like, supposedly most people who die there die on the way down. They, they yeah. make it to the top. They exactly can't get down. Yep. So it's crazy. It is a, it's kind of a haunting story. I've, I've followed it myself. But well, I, after a while, they, I had to stop watching that stuff because there's too much of it. And the it's, fact that it's just as dangerous to try and go up and recover people as it is to hang. So they just, so they're all just there. And, yeah. And it's then a tomb. some. And bo- well, bodies become like like path markers. marks, yeah. like God. turn left at the guy in the red jacket. You know, it's like, you know, you get up there and there's this, you know, body that's completely yeah. black, just like green you, boots. And you there's, just go by. A... Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Christ. So then uh, I uh, I found a, a a documentary about a a, a boat disaster uh, just just post Civil War on the Mississippi called Remember the Sultana which is about a, a boat that was carrying a bunch of soldiers back up the Mississippi home. And uh, the ship ended up, the boilers ended up exploding on the ship and, and just, just killed, you know, it was the worst maritime disaster in the U S for, for a long, long time. Mm. Um, they just, wow. All right. And that, that was and they, actually the, and they were actually, all on their way home, right? Yeah. It was, yeah, all, it was all, all post civil yeah, war. So everybody was going home. Really? Yeah course it was um i watched someone uh, that was a that was a that was an accountant somewhere going you know what uh i don't have my numbers right for this war what do we do (laughs) well the problem was is they completely it wasn't a problem at the time but they completely loaded all the decks with soldiers they basically bet everyone on board this ship and sent it on its way and then it stopped halfway and took off like 400,000 pounds of ballast in the form of like sugar that it was taking up river. It was delivering sugar on the same boat. So they ended up taking out all their ballast and it ended up screwing up the balance of the ship. And that's what ended up causing the boilers to go. It was just, it was just awful. But um, I watched a very mediocre book, uh, uh, thing on sea hauntings called ghosts at sea which was nowhere near as good as i hoped it would be uh i watched league of extraordinary gentlemen again because i was trying to remember if how bad that movie actually was <laughs> and and were you reminded how bad uh, it was? it's Aww. it's okay it's yeah. you know it's it's flat i love that idea i think that idea is one of the best ideas that's ever come out of comics is is putting all that sort of like victorian rogues gallery together and have them fight alongside each other i just think it's a really fun dynamic they kind of take another pass at it with Penny Dreadful. If you're, yeah, if no, it's on my it. list. I really want to, and I know yeah. that that's supposed to be very good. And, uh, and I watched a, uh, <laughs> I watched a, a cop movie from, uh, I guess it was the mid late eighties, uh, Thunderheart, uh, Val Kilmer great. and Sam uh, Shepard. Yeah. I saw that great. in the theater. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and follow that up with a a weird movie with uh, Ali Walker and Martin Sheen called When the Bow Breaks. 
it, I, honestly, it felt like a made for TV movie, but I know it came out in theaters and I was just watching it the whole time. It just, it felt like a made for TV movie, but it's just, again, it was okay. And then, and then we watched, uh, it was Saturday and we watched uh, a bunch of horror movies. We watched uh, a, a poor one that's new on shutter called edge of the ax, uh, which was pretty bad. And uh, I had never seen this. I watched Alice, Sweet Alice for the first time. And uh, was uh, that was pretty, that was a pretty interesting movie. Um, it's about a, a girl who has a sister and there's like good sister, bad sister and good sister dies. And everyone thinks the bad sister kills her. And you're basically led to believe throughout the film that, this bad sit and they're trying to figure out a way to 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 prove essentially it prove which what's sister that like? it is no 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 they're not twins oh. they're not oh. they're not twins uh, the, the, the the sister that dies is actually brooke shields uh which is oh. kind of funny um uh, the one thing i will say about it is, is i thought that it revealed its killer a little too early uh because I thought that at, I, I thought that it sort of reached this point where it revealed the killer. And then there's still a good 20 to 25 minutes of movie left. And I was just like, OK. And I just didn't I don't I didn't feel like they I felt like they let all the air out of the balloon. And you were just kind of like, OK, so you're just kind of waiting for it to wrap up. And yeah. And then uh, and then I rewatched, uh, you know, to tie in with one of this week's themes. Uh, we watched because Deirdre had never seen Terror Train, so I rewatched Terror Train again, which is uh, which is a, uh, a a slasher that Jamie Lee Curtis did, I believe, after the Fog or maybe between the Fog and Halloween. I'm not exactly sure when it was filmed, but they both came out in 1980. Uh, and I watched a movie called Debug, which is one of these newer sci-fi movies on Netflix, and it's. Uh, you know, all green screen and on sort of like one or two physical sets, uh, sci- pure sci-fi, uh, a bunch of actors, uh, a bunch of uh, they're I guess they're technically computer crimes prisoners and they're used to go find abandoned spaceships and fix all of the bad programs and code on them and then re- and then kind of reboot the spaceship. So the spaceships are usable again and uh they stumble across one that has a, a very bad rogue program on it uh, played by Jason Momoa of all people. Um, so yeah, it's a strange little movie. Uh, and then I watched a documentary on Gordon Lightfoot on Amazon called, if you could read my mind. Um, it was okay. I, I, I really never realized the esteem in which he is held in Canada. Uh, he is like uh he is like, I don't know how you compare to like musically compare him to somebody in the US, but it's like every Canadian singer songwriter essentially has grown up there worshiping the ground that Gordon Lightfoot walks on. He's there, Bob Dylan. I, you know, I would say Bob Dylan, but I mean, even at this point, I mean, I don't even know if that's high enough to match him to. I mean, like when you, well, the fact that like Bob Dylan and him are friends and have been friends for a long time. And Bob Dylan even makes a, is, you know, has commentary in the documentary about him. Uh, It was just, it was kind of, it was kind of neat to see just like everyone, you know, from music stuff, just like all talking about how much they love Gordon Lightfoot and his songwriting. Uh, I bought tickets to see him for my friend, Jason. That's his favorite singer. Uh, 
right before the pandemic oh. hit and then they canceled the show. Yeah, he's getting up there. I mean, like I was surprised. I mean, his his physical appearance is like way, way different than like how he was when everyone kind of I mean, most everybody gets I mean, everybody gets old, obviously. But I mean, like there is a real physical change to him, to like to even like the shape oh, yeah. of his head. And, you know, he's just he's, you know, he's, he's an older guy, but um, he still sounds pretty good. I have to say they showed some some recent uh, video footage of him performing live, like maybe in 2019. And uh, this still yeah. sounds like him. And I watched a couple of uh, older documentaries, Da Vinci Code Decoded, one that I had started and not finished. And uh, something called the Bridgewater Triangle, uh, which is an area in southeast Massachusetts, uh, which apparently is very well known for its paranormal uh, sightings and weird happenings and, you know, um, mystical fire across lakes and all sorts of lights in the sky, all sorts of weird shit. But it's a, a weird kind of strange, long isosceles triangle in, in southeastern Massachusetts. Yeah. Defined by some guy who wrote a book about the area in like 1970. But, well, you know, any area that has three points is going to be a triangle. That's a good point, Lathan. Pretty good. Point. And then uh, besides the besides the two movies we watched for the show that we'll be discussing shortly, I also watched the new Billie Eilish documentary, um, which was really good. What's uh, that on? That's on uh, Apple. It's an Apple TV uh, exclusive. Oh, well. Yeah. Um, but uh, really, really interesting. And they apparently started filming this documentary when she started recording her album. Um, they just were like, we're going to embed with you and see where this goes. And then so it basically follows her from like just recording that album in her bedroom all the way up through her. Um, it yeah, ends essentially superstar. With, with her with her six Grammy wins um, this past year. So. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was really good. If you're, you know, if you like her stuff at all, obviously, uh, it's definitely worth yeah, watch, but that uh, helps. <laughs> she's an interesting girl. I gotta say, I, I think she's, I think she's incredibly good at, at hiding how unhappy she appears to be most of the time. I think she's, she's, you know, she's got a lot of stuff going on for a girl her age. Uh, and obviously I can't imagine that fame does much to help that to oh, be honest of course not <laughs> so speaking of girls that age i did neglect to mention that i, I did oh also God. watch exorcist oh, to the heretic man. this week oh boy <laughs> i saw that for the first time like a, a year and a half two years ago and uh yes yeah, this was my first time i felt oh. i had to finally confront it yes that's i felt the same way too when i watched it. i was like you know what i just got to sit down and watch this thing and yeah, boy, it it its I reputation does not do it justice. It's so much worse. <laughs> All I remember about that movie is when someone steps on nails. That that shot of a foot going through yes. the nails. That's literally the only thing I remember from that awful movie. It's the only way they could get Richard Burton to yeah, sober up no for the rest kidding. of the day. Dry <laughs> him out. Better bring. And, and it's funny because Exorcist Three is the polar opposite. It's the movie that gets no no song sung of its of, of in its uh, in its recourse. It's magnificent. Uh, oh, it's not really magnificent, but we'll we'll give it the one scene. The rest of it's not that great. 
I'm sorry. Was I using yeah, your opinion yeah, again? Darn it. That, I keep doing that. That movie's not that oh great, guys. One, one good scene. That's about it. That's yeah, well, the mountain. one good scene. It's the single greatest shot in a horror film ever. No, the yeah, whole one film good is scene. great. It depends on what you're seeing the film for. The whole film That's is the peak of Everest, that scene. And then, you know, there's a lot of bodies on that mountain oh. on the bottom slope. Oh boy! Well, it's gonna be one yeah, of those. I don't, uh, considering <laughs> considering the list of movies that you don't like that that we most other people do, I, I think we're probably still fine believing that it's a good movie, and you're wrong. So that's maps okay. Around the world. Oh. <laughs> yes, there are. Uh, it's getting weird. Yeah, we no, have... not in front of the guests. <laughs> Somehow, no time for Tenant or Scott Pilgrim during all those films. Uh, that's right <laughs> or black mirror for that game or, or black, black mirror. mirror and next week that's next week my hopes man. are gonna you, go you up again and then be shattered nope you think you're doing it to us but you're that's really right. doing it that's to right yourself. Yourself. <laughs> missing. i'm not doing anything to myself yeah, yeah you're, you're missing giving out. you good recommendations well, you know. Hassan gave me a good movie to watch i i loved it do you do you have any idea of the list of things that are good that you haven't watched, Latham, compared to what I've watched? Oh, I don't think it's as big as you think. I think you're probably wrong because how could you know? Well, you could scratch <laughs> off the 5,853 horror movies you've watched. That's not on the list. Well, they're not all bad. <laughs> well, yeah, there's probably three or four of them that are probably on yeah, see, see, there you go. You're overgeneralizing again. Very good. That's, I am. Uh, that's I the am. way to go. I'm being very vague. Re- regardless, we've <laughs> suffered enough, I think. God. All right. Oh, I've been, the... I, I've been, I've been looking forward to this all afternoon. <clears throat> so Bob's follow-up uh, to to, uh, uh, to a really Pelham great, one, amazing movie. <laughs> to taking a Pelham one, two, three. Uh, a guilty pleasure for sure. Uh, night oh, I don't train. feel guilty. I feel no guilt. No remorse. <laughs> night, night train to terror. Join us as a rock and roll band gives its final performance. What can I do for you, Mr. Satan? For our ill-fated travelers chosen to endure a terrifying journey into the darkest regions of the human soul as the forces of good and evil engage in the final conflict. I'll open the gates of hell. There is only one master, and his name is Satan. At stake, the fate of all humans. You may try to run. You may try to scream. Either way, you've bought a one-way ticket to the outer reaches of horror. Join on this deadly excursion beyond the reaches of sanity. Night Train to Terror. Climb aboard. Your destination is hell. From 1985, directed by John Carr, Philip Marshak, Tom McGowan, Jay Schlossberg Cohen, and Greg G. Tallis, with a running time of 98 minutes. So God and Satan are on a train with an 80s dance band to decide that they will visit three cases or stories of humans to see how they will play out and if the main characters will fall to one side or the other. Bob, I think the context that you delivered to me about Night Train of Terror might uh, come come in handy about uh, about your uh, how you recommend this to people uh, with a purpose in mind. 
You're going to have to remind me of, uh, as I say, Capriccio. <laughs> Who knows what whimsical uh, justification I had when we spoke. You you had uh, you had brought up Night Train to Terror because when we were originally talking about guilty pleasures, and I, you said that you always recommend this to 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 horror movie friends who haven't seen it. Just just get their reaction out of the performance. Oh, I do, and I've gotten converts uh, all over the world. Um, one of my very good friends in London is uh, a guy named Graham Humphreys. Oh, yeah. Who's the greatest horror movie poster artist, I would say, alive today. I mean. Um, living, absolutely. 100%. Living, yes. Yes. Um, incredible artist. And, you know, we have had many conversations about <laughs> movies of, of both, uh, you know, earned renown and dubious renown. And I mentioned Night Train to Terror uh, to him, and he had never heard of it. And so he found it on Blu-ray before I even knew it was on Blu-ray. And he's had watch parties. He's doing <laughs> good work over there. I'm very, I'm borderline evangelical about it. I was going to say, you become a, he, he's become a missionary. <laughs> Absolutely. If I had those like little pamphlets, like, won't you consider taking Night Train to Terror into your life? Yeah. Oh my God. Um and and you know i if if we're going to sort of do the credit slash blame thing because of course i didn't happen upon this by accident <laughs> uh, a friend of mine named ed grant uh i'm naming names damn it um uh, back in new york uh who hosts what's got to be one of the longest running public access tv shows ever uh guy uh, he does a show called media funhouse and his um, mission statement for that is uh, from high art to low trash and back again. And so he will do episodes about, you know, the most exalted filmmakers ever. And he does these deep dives, but he also exposes a lot of weird shit. And he was doing it really before the Internet was, you know, a thing. And one of the ones that he introduced me to and I don't remember if it was personally or via the show, but was Night Train to Terror. I think he did an episode about it. <laughs> and then he showed it to me the first time I saw the the whole movie. It was his VHS of it. Oh, boy. And, you know, my jaw hit the ground. It was just like, <laughs> what am I watching? And, you know, to me, there is a joy in watching something that completely confounds you. And that is a movie that did that to me where it was just like i know this is terrible but it is it's 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 like terrible with gusto you know it really it just it keeps delivering and because of the anthology format it never gets boring i mean i think it's a movie where if you hate it you are not wrong but i don't think it's ever boring you know what's funny is i i, I I, I stopped working earlier in the office to make sure that I could go downstairs with Deirdre and watch this because it was I knew we had a horror film on the docket and me and her always watch horror films. I'm like, I'm going to jump out of work early, do the same. We'll have time to watch this before I have to go back upstairs. And so we did that and I we were probably 10 minutes in and she just turned to me and goes, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm watching the same thing you are. I'm like, and I, I was probably two, two chapters of the movie into it. And I had come to a conclusion about it. 
And what I was going to say about the the segments of the movie, uh, as as it resulted uh, in my digging after I came upstairs to for my notes for the show. I was uh, going to say, did you get to the great reason why it is was exactly it is. exactly what I thought it was. These are three full-length films that were fully shot and and made and then then somebody went back and pulled 20 minutes out of each one and basically oh, made like a like a, re- like a reader's digest condensed books version of those films i i'm watching these and i'm like hey we're gonna go see this guy about a thing and the next thing you're in the middle <laughs> of a scene with a guy about a thing like there's no no like travel getting into a car nothing and i'm just like it's like somebody shot these movies and then just arbitrarily dropped two or three scenes out in between each one that they left in and you're just oh, and like it's, it's edited in a cuisinart i mean it's it is the most gracelessly assembled piece of work you're ever going to see. My absolute favorite moment was, uh, I think it was in the, I'm trying to think it was in the second or the third tale. I think it's the third one um, where she gets locked in the closet. The where third? She, go, she goes into the closet and she's looking around in the closet and then the door slams shut and she gets trapped and then the, and the rift opens and the two guys come out of the floor and try to grab her and she's holding on by the doorknob kind of <laughs> flying in the air. So what's so great about that is when she goes into the room, the door opens in, but when she gets finally to the point where she gets the door open and goes to leave, the door opens out. <laughs> um, that's not great. <laughs> No, it is. It's no, no, it's not. Um, and I, I have to say that the final straw to this whole thing, when I'm after I'm watching this thing, you know, I and I and listen, this this is this is you know three bad '80s movies chopped up like Bob said in a Cuisinart, thrown together with a few interstitial moments to try and tie it into a larger tale, and and, and that alone. With the with that fucking horrendous earwig song playing throughout the goddamn film. Oh, oh that song's going to stay with you for the rest of your life. Oh, you think? And um, and and and, and, and the absolute it, it might top cars for kids as and the oh absolute the absolute bottom. I, I can't believe cr- Bob just mentioned that. The absolute <laughs> bottom is when you're going in the credits oh. and, and it says God played by himself. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah so and the devil played by Lou Cipher. Lou Cipher uh, and God was played by himself. <laughs> you know, and every every like bit angel of heart ripped that it I built up with with Pelham is it's all gone. It's every yeah. bit of it. Oh God, uh, Lay, go ahead. <laughs> I, I mean, you sure? You want me? I don't know what you want me to do here. It's like someone <laughs> took a shit in a the toilet, then didn't flush it. Then came back eight hours later, took a second shit. Then came back eight hours later, took a third shit. And then someone else reached into that toilet, removed the shit, and then tried to put it on a easel and make something. So That's it's a only- production of shit. I, I, I mean, I, I, it, the worst part about this is you know the problem the people putting this together had and what they tried to do like real early on so you're you're already self-aware of what's going on here 
you know, and you still got 73 minutes of movie left. And it's, <laughs> and, and you're just like, oh, fuck, you know, and I'm in for, now I got to finish this. It, it, it's like, I don't know, it's like a friend took you to something. It's like you hate country music and you know you do. And your friend says, just come with me to this concert. And you go to the concert and 10 minutes in, you're like, I really fucking hate country music. But now I'm stuck at this concert for another 90 minutes. I, I, I don't, I really but, don't like but this. Let me ask, but let me ask you something, Lay. Did it make you, it, but it did make you angry. It kind of did, similar to Howard the Duck last week. <laughs> I mean, I just, I'm watching it and I'm like, ah, oh, man, you know, I, like none of the creativity. Where is he finding these guests? Why are they picking these movies? Well, why no, can't he get the best why can't one he... ever? I'm not <laughs> saying that. I mean, you know, I got I got taking a Bellham one two three out of this this deal we made. Okay, granted <laughs> it was a deal with the devil, but okay, I understand. Uh, <laughs> I um, I, I do you find the creativity in this movie like, you know how some people you can see beyond the the level of the filmmaking and whatever. And you can say, okay, I see what he's trying to do there. That's at least trying or whatever. I just, it didn't resonate with me on any level. It just well, you could have stopped it with, you could have stopped that question with, did you see the creativity and left that as the question? And I probably would have said, well, <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. Did you see the, did you, what did you see as far as creativity in this? I, well, I mean, no. I and I, that was my point. I mean, there's not really, I mean, that's that, but it's, but it's, it's hard to get in. And I, and I hate to say this, but it almost is going to take another viewing at least because oh. watching this movie, you're so focused on the fact that nothing lines up, that there's so much missing out of each one of these stories that you're, you know, it's the old it's the old idea of animation where it's like we're going to show you two positions and your brain is going to fill in that space between. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to and it's going to animate. So your brain is so busy filling in story for the movie that you don't even realize all of the other stuff that's going on. That's so bad with it. You well, know, let me ask, how did you how did you all consume this? What was the medium? Blu-ray, streaming, streaming, streaming. All right. Well, okay. That that begs the question: Who the hell's streaming this? Well, it's streaming. on YouTube. Oh, yeah. okay. The whole movie's on YouTube. That's all right. All right. So the reason I ask is because, of course, like I say, I was introduced to this on VHS, and this is definitely a movie of the VHS. It is a VHS movie, yeah. Product. So watching it on Blu-ray was actually very weird because it's suddenly a very, it's a pristine oh boy. <laughs> print of this in the correct aspect That's ratio. That's not an adjective that should be used with this movie in any context. Well, but the thing is, there are interesting things. There, there are a lot of interesting things behind the weirdness. Uh, the first is oh, the screenwriter, <laughs> Philip Jordan. Because Philip Jordan wrote some really respectable movies early in his career. I mean, he wrote El Cid. Wow. He wrote King of Kings. I think wow. he might have. I might be wrong here. He might have actually gotten even an Oscar nomination at some point. But if you look at all of the movies he wrote, and he wrote a lot, he wrote some real heavy hitters. This is definitely Philip Jordan, pun intended, at the end of the line. I mean, this is... <laughs> 
This is, and and by the way, that's his grandson as the horrible singer in that horrible. Oh, oh my God. It clearly was like, okay, you know, my Wait, grandson's, grandson's got this band. <laughs> yeah, or, or whatever. My grandson's wow. a delusional maniac. Please let him, you know, <laughs> do something in this film. Um, but the other thing is on the Blu-ray, they actually have one of the full length versions of one of the three segments. Right. And if you can believe it, the full length version is so much more insane than the truncated <laughs> version because uh, it's it's basically the Suicide Club segment. Okay. Because I'm sure you probably noticed that at a certain point, the beautiful girl is suddenly dressed as a guy and talking in kind of a wise cracking way. And if her hair is like 10 inches shorter. With no explanation at all. Right. For a movie that throws in all of this omniscient narration that never actually helps make anything clearer. Yeah, it's like, that's a good point. It's like an experimental film that has no intention of being experimental. So it just, it just doesn't work. <laughs> it's oh, it's, it's, it's weird outsider art. But that whole, the whole feature with the, the so-called, you know, death club uh, is so much weirder. And I think the name of that segment was just her character's name. I think her character's name is Greta. Yeah, Greta Connors. There's a the feature is just called Greta. And well, I've got there's boy, there's, is it a weird one? It's really weird. I, I know I can tell Latham will never give this a look. No, you never know. But it is such a bizarre film. There was an unfinished film called Scream Your Head Off, which was later retitled and re-edited into Marilyn Alive and Behind Bars, as well as the other two films were The Dark Side of Love mm -hmm. and a movie called Cataclysm. Mm-hmm. So, and I have, by the way, I've tried to find the feature-length versions of those. They are, at least to my, my uh, searching, right. unfindable. Who was the who is that old VHS company that used to do right. that stuff that was like super hard to find? Right. Walter used to get that stuff. Sinister video. It was somebody, it was in somebody in New York. But he used to he used to track down old weird uh, uh movies that he remembered as a kid and, and had couldn't find anywhere. Oh. But they were you, you could buy him, you know, dubs from them on VHS because they'd never mm. been released anywhere. That's yeah. cool. But yeah. Yeah, the, the, the full-length version of Greta looks like it's probably a VHS rip. It's definitely the best they could find. Yeah, it's funny. I, I would yeah, it'd be interesting to see if you could track down and have like a mini marathon of the full-length features of, of all three of these. It'd be funny. Because the other thing is like all the weird, awkward, super cheap stop-motion animation. Yeah. That was all done for Night Train to Terror. None of that's in the feet in the feature. Oh. <laughs> oh, really? Which is why that's one of the more consistent looking parts of the movie is you've got the weird animated bug flying around. You've got the weird demon. You know, it's all this sort of well, borderline that, Gumby level stuff. And what's so funny <laughs> about that stuff is, is like, it's one thing when you animate like the monster or the demon or the whatever it is. But when you start animating the actual actors themselves for yeah. a shot, that is just like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's, I've made I've made a Sculpey version of our guy. Uh, Hassan, do you have any thoughts on Night Train to Terror? <laughs> None at all. <laughs> 
Uh, uh, we reserve we reserve the right to remain silent. <laughs> see, see, now I feel like the guest who came into your home and did something unspeakable. That's 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 kind of who you are now. You know, and that's the problem. I don't know. I don't. I honestly just personally don't have patience for for stuff like this anymore. I used to when I was a kid. Like when I when I first saw this movie, I was young. We thought it was the freaking best thing we've ever seen. It was really funny. Somewhere along the line, I just lost my. I lost my capacity to to see the the nuance and and any of these things, I, I, and now it's way, just. I totally get that. I totally get that, and I respect that. Because um, it was just, it was just infuriating after, like, and it's all you can think of is this. This is going to be on for like another hour and a half. You know, once once the fucking the train goes by and people are doing, you know, these these flash dance rejects are doing this this. this you know, there's this, you know, anti-rhythmic, you know, <laughs> dance that whatever they're doing. That's a good adjective. And hopping around and you're like, and I'm like, fuck, you know, like, it's just like, I'm stuck here now. I'm like, I have to finish this film. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, you know, me personally, I can't see any value in it. Now I know there's value and I understand being entertained by it. I don't have anything against the, the choice or or people who love this stuff, but I just, me personally, it was like, I, I, <laughs> I, I can't do it. I completely get it. And I think it is the one thing, you know, I think you can say is it's a movie and, and, you know, people use this kind of uh, logic a lot where they'll say you either love it or you hate it. There's really no middle ground, but I think this one is a love it or hate it. I, I don't see being indifferent to Night Train to Terror. I think you're either going to say, fuck this movie, fuck everyone <laughs> involved in this movie, or you're going to say, oh, my God, I, I, what was my life before this? Not at, not at all the most offensive movie I've seen by any stretch of the imagination. Oh. And not at all the most offensive movie I've seen here on this, on this uh, podcast. That 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 honor is bestowed on on one, yeah. uh, one rather notorious film. But um, can you name it's, it's it? not even. It didn't yeah. even offend me. It's, it was just. Uh, what have they done to Solange? The G. Oh, okay. All right. Mine is six string samurai. That's yeah. my low template. So no, no, you, you've got this incorrect. It's not what have they done with Solange? It's shivers, yeah, and shivers then what have you? What have they oh, done? Thought, with Solange? Oh, the two uh, of them together. Yeah made it made a three hour segment of my life something that i'm gonna have to go on an indiana jones type adventure to find again to get back <laughs> that's how that's how lost to me it is it 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 didn't offend me on any of those levels it's just once you kind of get the measure of the movie which it doesn't take long for you to get it like my my interest level just kind of dropped right out through my toes you know and i'm, so, I'm watching so it because yeah, it just wasn't my movie. It just wasn't for me. Like I'm, I I don't I, I wish I was the person I used to be where I so, see the value in it. Like I could see the humor in it, but it just to me it's like, oh, that just looks so terrible. You know, like, like I think it's the other thing is like there. You know, I mean, there are people for whom uh, mystery science theater and riff tracks are great. I'm one of those people. And then I have friends who think I hate that stuff, you know, and I, I understand both. I never, you know, maybe, maybe I don't know what it is. Who knows what it is? There's, there is a level of masochism. Um, <laughs> but I have a very high threshold for really terrible things where <laughs> I do you enjoy have to. them. I don't enjoy 
what I would consider mediocre bad, like because that's you're not doing anything. It has there. to be. It has to be exceptionally bad, right? And yeah. I have watched so many bad things where they were just bad. You know, it's like that thing of you're trying to find that gem of a bad movie. <laughs> so you know, and there are some of those. There's one that I watched, mm, I guess, last year called Mausoleum, oh, which yeah. I. Loved. It's terrible. It's objectively terrible, but it was one of those. It was like, oh, this one's swinging for the fences. This one <laughs> is not run of the mill bad. This is special bad. Was that the '80s one or the 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 new one that's on Shutter? No, '80s. Okay. 80s. Nothing they make now can be that kind of thing because when they do it now, it's self conscious. When they did it in the '80s, it's because they were talentless hacks. <laughs> and that was the best they could do the dunning kruger situation because yeah, like, have, were... you, have you ever seen spookies that's another one that was sort of on, no. on the fence for me uh, i'm not a horror guy that's the other problem with this film and, like i'm not i just the, the genre does nothing for me so i haven't well, seen any of these spookies a is not going to win you over to horror but it's also <laughs> if you didn't like this you're not going to like that this is one of those calibrate your taste moments i can tell you would not like spookies but spookies is another one of these things where it was like how can we save this in editing i know let's shoot a whole other movie and try to integrate it into the same <laughs> plot and things won't quite match and you know we're going to add a lot more rubbery looking puppets to it and it's it's a disaster where the story behind it is way more interesting than the movie itself there's a scene where there are these muck men that come at the couple of the characters and they're just fart sound effects through the whole thing and of course <laughs> is this what they thought maybe mud sounds like or yeah. no it's 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 a it's a complete disaster but it's kind of <laughs> analogous to night train only not quite as crazy and it doesn't have cameron mitchell in it cameron mitchell makes everything a little better <laughs> Oh man, yeah. This was wow. uh, this was this was an exceptional new bar for um, for for eighties horror films for me. I gotta say, this. Was... I mean, you can tell I love it because I'm much more animated in this part than I was. <laughs> well, that's also because I'm feeling like I have to defend my children. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you're you're the way you're defending it by not defending it, defending it is very admirable. <laughs> oh yeah, no, the, it's indefensible. <laughs> it's indefensible. It is terrible. That's what makes it awesome. Bodies for money. Bodies <laughs> for money. And and Richard Evil Mall showing up daughter. in two of the you know two of twice. The, like, yeah, <laughs> Richard Mall is in it, and he just he, he just murders that guy. <laughs> they yeah. walk in to use the phone, and like seconds after they get in there, the guy's <laughs> he's dragging him in the hall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my what god! Did, other than Bull Shannon. Did Richard Mall ever play anyone that wasn't a psychopath? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, good point. No. <laughs> Even in the Highlander TV show, that he was in the first episode <laughs> of that, he was a psychopath. Like he's—he's never—he's like one of those dudes you never want to meet in real life and find out that he's like a nice guy because that ruins everything for you. <laughs> like, you are just a terrifying human being. And he was in um House, right? Wasn't yeah, he the main? Ben. Yeah, he was yeah. Big ben. Oh boy. Yeah, let's not, not go down. Let's not, let's not go down that road. <laughs> no, yeah, they all lead to night court. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that <clears throat> actually might be all we have to say about nitrate terror. Surprisingly, <laughs> yeah. but uh, but unfortunately, or, we have 143 posters to look at for nitrate <laughs> terror. Right, <laughs> yeah, right.
143. <laughs> so yeah, that's the night train. Uh, and we are making our I'm stop. To <laughs> and it's funny, I was looking up kind of background stuff on the on the night train movie, and it's like that guy Jordan and all of those directors who worked on night who done those other films that this movie was called from Jordan had written all those. Mm -hmm. And he also had worked with all those guys on other films too. So it's like, they were clearly a group of guys who all worked together and would make these low budget horror films or whatever, you know, like these, like the Astron six guys. Yeah. And, and you Jordan know, also like, is a guy who, you know, he wrote under other names, basically as a front door because i think he was blacklisted i'm pretty sure that was part of his bio uh -huh. he was one of the uh blacklisted writers uh during the mccarthy era interesting so i'm sure jordan's story is actually really interesting um and definitely he went from you know he went from riches to rags you know he, he did some really <laughs> respectable stuff and then at the end of the career of his career you look and it's all sh total sh <laughs> Yeah, he fell off the. He, his, he fell out with his uh, with his patron. But it makes you probably. wonder when somebody writes that kind of schlock and so consistently, there's there's part of that person that wants to write that stuff because it's not like he didn't have the skills and it's not like he couldn't do better. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe he got hit in the head. Who knows? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> says here that he, he acted as a front for black blacklisted writers. Oh, he was the front. Yeah. Oh. Huh. I wonder, maybe he never wrote anything good. Maybe he just put his name on the scripts that actual good writers wrote. Oh, man. He said his actual, his actual contributions to the script he is credited with is controversial, and he was known to some as a credit grabber. Oh, okay. There you go. Okay. So in that, in that case... <laughs> uh, we're learning... See, now we've learned a little too much about him. <laughs> But it, but it, it's a much more satisfying conclusion. I mean, it explains Night Train to Terror. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He didn't write El Cid. <laughs> Some poor guy didn't get credit for El Cid. Yeah, he was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Writing Screenplay for Detective Story in 1951. And he won an Academy Award for uh, Broken Lance in 1954. Yeah, I knew there did. was I knew there was Oscar stuff at some point. I didn't know he'd actually won. That would be I'm trying to think where that would be on the timeline um, regarding the whole blacklist front kind of thing. That might be prior to it. If it's 1950. This is this is interesting that the 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 film that he won the best writing in a motion picture story for Broken Lance, which is a remake uh, of another film and was credited solely to Jordan, but written in large part by the film's director, Joseph Mankiewicz, huh. who refused oh, wow. to share a co-writing credit. Huh. Wow. Have, have, have Has anyone here watched um, Mank? I have. We both have. Yeah. Except for me. I haven't gotten around to it yet. No. Uh, I enjoyed it immensely. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a huge Fincher fan. Oh, me too. And I, uh, I just, the story, the story is, is I thought it was, uh, I thought it was an absolutely beautiful recreation. Fincher does again, 
he makes a very simple, arguably not very interesting story, interesting to watch. And I think that, uh, I mean, his father wrote the screenplay, so it's, you know, it's, it's fine. Uh, I'm sure he did some, some brushing up on it himself or had someone do a little touch up, touching up on it, but I enjoyed it. The movie obviously looks beautiful. Uh, everybody in the film, of course, is amazing. And it's an interesting, it's one of those things, it's old Hollywood. So it's, or, or, you know, it's kind of the, almost not, not the tail end of old Hollywood, but a part of Hollywood, you don't, you don't get to hear too much behind the scenes stuff about it, you know? So it's a good, it's a great period of time. There was a lot of stuff going on that they touch on in the movie. Um, that's really interesting to people who are interested in like the history of like filmmaking and stuff like that. So I, that's, that's another reason why I liked it too, because it had a lot of, it's of, you know, historical stuff kind of thrown in there, but, uh, but yeah. Bob, so. What's your least favorite Fincher movie, Bob? Least favorite? Or do you think he has a bad movie? Uh, I don't know about bad. Um, yeah. I mean, bad's not, what's his least effective one? You know, I, 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 I'm trying to go through them all in my head. I didn't love Panic Room. That's the one I was just going to mention. That, the I one think I would have mentioned. One. Yeah. Okay. So there we go. Consensus. It's still not horrible. It's no, just... no, no. It's. I don't think he's capable of making a horrible movie. He's too good. But that right. one just was. I don't know. Just didn't. I think it was more. It the was script. not special. It could have been cr- more creative with the situation they were stuck in, and they just. It just wasn't. Yeah, I'm sure some other people would go with Alien Three, but I think Alien Three is really underrated. I think I, do too. Some, I agree. I think that's one. See, there's a case where I think when people go back in and retroactively do stuff, fix some of the shoddy special effects, and I think you've got a really good movie. You know, some of the opticals in it, they're not quite there for what they were trying for. Fix them, and then it's it's a pretty great movie. The only Have one who the really dislikes guy? that film. Is Fincher. David Fincher? Yeah, Fincher. You know, yeah, oh, fan. But you know, I mean, for a first, especially for a first feature, and coming into a, at that point, what I guess it's a definition yeah. is a franchise. Yeah, uh, <coughs> following up Aliens. Aliens, I like less than Alien Three, but oh, wow! <laughs> wait, 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 uh, what was that? <laughs> Well, I guess he uh, said he likes aliens less than Alien 3. Oh, you know what? I he, heard him. He said black guys help the white guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows what that's from, right? Yes, we do. Yeah. Okay. Stripes, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It just it was a it struck me as a moment. <laughs> what yeah. did he say? What did he just say? Yeah. He said black guys help the white guys. What you what'd you say? What'd you fucking say? <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I like aliens, but it's when you follow, we're going way, way off the path now, but when That's you follow right. a alien to me is a perfect film. That is a masterpiece. Agreed. Like probably top 10 favorite movies of all time. Agreed. And I loved aliens, but to me, it. You now have six minutes to get to minimum. Alien, alien was brilliant. And then aliens was very bombastic. In a Mm -hmm. way that, in a way, it just, it didn't, I didn't like the vibe of it as much. And then Alien 3 went back to being really downbeat and kind of pared down. And straight ahead horror, right. So for me, 
it's 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 more of kind of an approach thing than i mean aliens is a great movie but to me it it doesn't sit quite as nicely with the vibe that i want from that yeah it's a it's a totally different film shot with those creature characters that you love it's it's an action movie and it's also got some stuff in it that makes me really cringe so cameron's dialogue sometimes does rub me the wrong way and the whole newt thing just what 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 don't you like about it i just didn't care for that part just stop talking okay My lawyer, my lawyer advises me yeah. that anything <laughs> further I say will only incriminate me more. <laughs> yeah. uh, again, we're on the back I'm side back of Everest here. right now, Dude. and we're on a sled passing body. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't do stop it. Stop talking about aliens. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Um, everyone is allowed to like what they like and dislike what they dislike. Well, as I say, I like it. I just don't. As like long it. as it isn't aliens. Yeah. As <laughs> long as it isn't <laughs> Or Night Train to Terror. Yeah. Or Nightbreed. Oh, oh, man. oh You got to oh. throw that pearl in there. <laughs> fucking pile of shit. Um, <laughs> it's actually, it's, it's, it's interesting hearing people complain about aliens because I... I rarely hear people complain about that movie. It's not because a movie is so brilliant. It's just because it is such, it is on such a pedestal. A lot of people are just not going to, they're just not going to take the time to knock it or they don't have they there's something off about it that they don't like, but they don't have the, uh, they don't have the vocabulary to articulate it without getting the dog piled by, you know, like the, like the the alien shills, you know, and I I'm one of those shills. I really love the movie. But I just I never hear people, uh, you know, I I very rarely hear people like actually criticize the, those films. Um, so it's it, I wouldn't even get angry. I'd just be fascinated. Like, really? What's wrong with the, what's wrong with alien? Like, what's wrong with Newt? Like, explain. Just, I want to I want to I want to see what's wrong with Newt. I want to think that Newt is wrong too. Please explain it to me. So. Yeah, I see it as two plus two equals five. So I don't really want to even hear the explanation for it. Does that make sense? No, but that's that right. Pointed? But we'll, but we'll, we'll uh, just go with it. I think I'll just be quiet from here on out. Well, I consider that highly unlikely, but you can go ahead and try. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. No, no, no. Not for nothing. I'm not, I'm not really being silly. I would like Bob to tell me what's wrong with Newt. Okay, and I'm not even angry. I just want to know what's wrong with me. <laughs> not angry. I'm just disappointed. Uh, yes, I'm very disappointed with you. Disappointed in her survival skills, or uh... I think we'll, we'll save that maybe... one maybe for another. Oh, ah, there he goes. Eject, or... eject, eject! Oh, he just hit the cockpit. You idiot! All right, go the canopy we'll next time, and uh, have Stop a good the night. Canopy. Well, on that note, that's a good I way guess, to get to get I, invited I, again. Because all I'm going to do is bug Steve. Yeah. Like, Steve, bring gotta find back. out about Newt. But he had night trained to terror. Well, no, but we got to find out about Newt. And you know what? Maybe once we stop recording, maybe he'll change his mind. Hard out. It's a hard out. 
absolutely. Believe me, Dean absolutely. has had plenty of uh, pushback on on his choices as well. So, oh, but, Dean, you know, Dean is someone who, yeah, I, I love Dean, but Dean and I do not really <laughs> gel very often with movies. <laughs> Dean, every time he really recommends something full throatedly, I always point out that he also really pushed me hard to watch uh, the re- uh, the movie of Charlie's Angels, and I'm just kind of like, oh, I'll never forget which one. That. Never forget. No matter which one, it could it it, it could yeah. be an equally bad story. Awful. Which one, Lay? First one's not awful. The first remake. Well, it has uh, it has Sam Rockwell. That that helps. Yes, I don't even remember Sam before Rockwell. he was Sam Rockwell. Hmm. Was he before, before he was Sam Rockwell. Who was he like, before, before he, was... he was anybody? Oh, I got gotcha. you. You know, he was just kind of you know. So is uh, Trudeau. What's what's his name? Uh, Trudeau. Um, Justin Trudeau. No, not him. Uh, Who's the who's the Irish guy? Uh, Colin Farrell. Was the IRA guy? Colin in, uh, Farrell. No. Harrison Ford. Uh, yeah. Uma Thurman. Latham. Latham, why don't you do that? Because that's not. Tom Cruise. Irish. Richard Harris. I don't fucking know who you're talking about. <laughs> Keep naming Irish people. Let's see what happens. Final. Brendan McCarthy. The Edge. <laughs> the Edge. The whole band clonad. No, okay. he's not. He's not, he, he won't even acknowledge me. Okay. Shun. <laughs> he has shunned him. I'm out. Sam Sam Rockwell in Galaxy Quest. That was what really announced him to me as somebody to watch forever. It's like okay. Yeah, Galaxy Quest. I I saw that again recently. That's that's a great the the uh, the, the documentary that's on Amazon. Very good. Galaxy Quest is really good. Um, I I love the discussions with Brent Spiner about that about how it's like he's like it's the greatest Star Trek movie that's not a Star Trek movie. Yeah. Uh, guys, I got some bad news. Justin Thoreau. Justin. Ah. Okay, Justin Thoreau. Wait, isn't? I thought that's what I guys. The guy who's married oh, to Jennifer Aniston used to be he's in Lost Tile or uh, Mulholland yeah. Drive. Guy, yeah, the one who was on the the. Well, obviously, okay. Clearly, he's still not somebody. But the whole idea was like it, he's. It was a movie before Sam Rockwell was famous, before Thoreau was famous, before uh, for a number of other people were were famous. So right. that's the that's the place in the pantheon that it holds. But it's not that great a movie. Um, Thoreau co-wrote Tropic Thunder, so he's he's a man of yeah. He's a he's a behind the scenes guy mostly. All right, I'm trying, to, th- I'm trying to think what's the first thing that I know I really noticed Sam Rockwell in Hitchhiker's Guide. Is, For me, show, it was Charlie's Angels. I think. Over or is this still the show? <laughs> it's now we 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 sometimes we ramble. It's fine. Oh yeah, you can go whenever you want. You know, yeah, yeah. Okay. To- get out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh you I know what the midnight showing of night train for terror you know what you know <laughs> what might have been the first thing i ever noticed him in he did he was in light sleeper no, I didn't a see super him. underrated paul that. schrader movie that i absolutely adore i've heard it heard of it, it. he's in yes. one of my top favorite comedies that gets no love safe men uh i never seen i've heard movie. of it never he, seen it. steve zahn and paul giamatti it's oh, such a really sweet, good, funny movie, and it deserves a following. But for some reason, that one just never—I don't—didn't break out. 
the guy who wrote it, I actually don't like the other things he's done because he's the one who did those Meet the Parents and so forth, Ugh. which of course are huge. Right. But the first thing I think Safe Men might have been the first thing he wrote. And I think he even might have directed it. And it's just such a great, perfect little movie. Just John Hamburg. Yep, that's the one. Highly, highly recommended. Maybe, maybe that's what next else, time. What else? Is, what else is he directed? <laughs> yeah, there, there is one. Right. Of course. Oh, did I love? I you, say man? no. <laughs> I respect <laughs> that. <laughs> what you don't realize bob is that most of these guys don't have a lot of say when it comes to guests because they're like all right who's on next week and i'm like i've already got the next month booked so it's like oh all right (laughs) one day we'll hit a snag one day someone will want solange part two and then that'll be my last day on the (laughs) there actually is a sequel to solange Uh, a semi-sequel i'll never see it would tell him one two three (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. If, we, if we can track down a copy of the Edward James almost Vincent D'Onofrio made for TV version. I show, I did show, what's funny what Bob said earlier, because I did show Pelham 123 to my friends for movie night this week, just so I could, you know, two, bo- two birds with one stone, but I yeah, knew it was a great roof. movie. But I, but I had also shown them the incident, so I told them it was incident two, the next train. <laughs> <laughs> how, did, how did they take the incident? They they liked it. Um, okay. It was a, it's a really interesting movie, so they they enjoyed it. They had you know they got they had their criticisms with it, but they you know those guys you know we we kind of have a because we watched um, the search for Loch Ness monster with uh, uh, with Werner Herzog. It's a comedy. It's a comedic uh, oh uh, yes, documentary. Yes, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know, so we'll watch stuff like that. Yeah, it's a mockumentary. So we, you know, we'll end up getting caught up in stuff like that. So, um, I just hate when it's my week because I got to pick something that's, you know, I, there's a lot of pressure. So I, I enjoyed like, wait a minute, we could watch uh, taking a Pelham one two three. All right, get it I out can of the cheat. Way, and I could totally cheat. It's a movie I like. Yeah, I uh, did. You see what I wrote on my post for uh, the because Whitney Matheson's show went up this week. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote uh, about that uh, that uh, a woman under the influence is a movie that demands opinions. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't lying. <laughs> Holy crap! Oh, that movie made me mad. <laughs> <laughs> I've been that mad a long time. <laughs> Fuck this film. <laughs> <laughs> to her, uh, to she her, took cre- it well. to her credit, yeah. she did. She took it very well. She was, uh, she was a good sport for sure. But uh, it's good when you can hate, when you hate the second movie because you gauge the you gauge the guest the first time around. You figure out exactly how much they, how much you could push them around. <laughs> well, not only <laughs> that, but it's like, well, it's funny too because I mean, I remember when we, the first time we had Raymond on and he was like. You know, he he brings to, he brings to it his all time favorite movie of all time, and I, which a movie which I've seen multiple times before, but when I watched it this time, I just took it in an entirely different way, and I'm just like, it's an it's overindulgent. I think it's just it's not it's not great. Which one was you, that? you got 2001. 
Ah, yeah. Oh, and yeah, you were both yeah, yeah. like, and you were both effusive about it. I'm, I was the, I was the lone voice of dissension <laughs> on the 2001 love train. What do you mean? You don't like 2001? <laughs> I What's didn't dislike problem? it. I just thought that watching it now, I was just, there were so many more things that I noticed about it that I had never noticed when I was a kid. And I was just like, Jesus Christ. You're saying just, it all you know, to be edgy. You're trying to do, you're doing this on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> well, who doesn't like 2001? Yeah. Yeah. That's What's true. that like? Latham. Lay. What'd you say? You No. Know. There's no sound, Latham. And and you know. You've got no sound. <laughs> Poor now, Bob. Now, I feel bad. Now for you're Bob. back. <laughs> I was like, how do I get out of this without this is, being this rude? Is what happens when you're doing other <laughs> stuff on your computer while we're doing the show? No, that's not. I unplugged the microphone. I just. Oh, well, that'll do it too, I guess. Yeah, that, that'll, that'll stop a lot of sound from getting out. Uh, <laughs> I thought we were done, but okay. How do I? Oh, I'm I sorry. You can, oh, do you want to go? Okay. No, go. I don't want to go. I just I unplugged the mic when the show is done. I thought you said the show was my bad. Uh, okay. Well, I guess maybe on that note, uh, I'll, le- <laughs> I'll at least I'll done. at least do the official go uh, dump out, which is uh, Bob. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we will certainly uh, be back. <laughs> yeah, we will definitely have you back. Are you kidding me? And with these film choice, oh, listen, I always like the guys who come in and, b- and pick movies that are out there a little anyway, just simply because if it's a, something I haven't seen, it's it's more interesting. I get to I get to put a, a, a fresh set of eyes on something I've never seen before. So that's great. I like that. Oh, that that's a good one there. <laughs> Got some good snoring going on. Yeah, there it is. I wish I could snore like that. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, thanks to Fesleyan music. Please check out our website at sentimentalpod.com for, uh, oh, hang on a second or something. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I got a, uh, I forgot to change this in my, in my, uh, <laughs> Those are, those are totally going in. <laughs> I'm just, just going to isolate the dog sound. Yeah. Like... Well, I'm holding the mic right in front of her. She's not quite that. What uh... is that noise? <laughs> um, where Bodies is... for money. Bodies, Bodies for, for money. money. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best when they do that slow pan into the room, too, where they go in and it's like there's just like spatterings of blood on the floor. And it's yeah. like you go from like the the white wire rack shelving that you use in closets leaning up against the wall with like uh with like wired up chunks of like human legs and stuff on it <laughs> then over to the shelving unit that has like heads and like arms and shit in it and then it comes around further and it's like here's some stuff that's boxed up and then a box going out on a conveyor belt <laughs> and then <laughs> and then you get the voiceover of they were cutting up the bodies and selling the parts to medical schools all over the world. (laughs) Oh my God. That was was so great. Uh, Well, it was so something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, it was great. Funny in retrospect. Uh, (laughs) And and it was fun. 
seeing your reactions tonight, Trey. There you go. There you go. Three more, three more notches for the bedpost <laughs> for nitrated terror. <laughs> three more notches in the neck of your keytar. <laughs> oh boy. Yep. I'm going to go wow. put on my leg warmers now and spin around on the floor a little bit and <laughs> call it a day. What was great too is at the end scene when they just have a random explosion and you're and you and then you show the burning building. It's just like they cut to a like stock footage of a burning building and then they do that slow tracking shot where and that all and they're all dead and they're all like laying around like yeah. these weird contorted positions. Supposedly, supposedly had crashed but they were the <laughs> the interior is intact. And they kept referring to them as musicians, but they were clearly dancers. You know, they were yeah. dancing the whole time, which was like, come on, these guys aren't even playing instruments. Stop <laughs> yeah. it. Stop yeah. it. I think there's maybe one shot in the whole thing of where the girl was actually in time in the drums with the music. So it, you you could almost sort of be like, oh, maybe she is playing. Nope, nope. Now she's off again. Yeah. Nope, it's not. <laughs> yeah, no. Nope. That and I think the bass player only ever hit one string. The whole yes. time. Well, I mean, you guys, I, again, I don't want to make assumptions, but have you guys seen uh, Miami Connection? Nope. Is that a Sedaris? No, no. Oh. It's, it's a one, I think they, it's the only movie <clears throat> the guy made. Um, Alamo Drafthouse gave it a proper release. I think it was ah. a fairly released movie. Again, probably 1985, 86. But uh, there's some great fake guitar playing in that. <laughs> I mean, world-class fake guitar playing. <laughs> oh, I know what you're talking about now. I recognize the poster. Yeah, it's a pretty stunning piece of work. But again, if you don't like truly bad movies, not going to be not, not your film. <laughs> That's not going to be your film. Nope. Yeah, it's not... Not your wheelhouse. Nope. <laughs> the year is 1987. Motorcycle ninjas tighten their grip on Florida's narcotics trade. Lost me at motorcycle ninjas. I'm out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Multi- summary from that movie. Has multinational martial much. arts rock band Dragon Sound have had enough. <laughs> That's it. And embark on a roundhouse wreck wave of crime crushing justice. When not, chase, when not chasing beach bunnies or performing their hit song against the ninja, Mark and the boys are kicking and shopping at the drug world's smelliest underbelly. <laughs> wow. No. Oh, man. Never. This, the synopsis is fantastic. Smelliest underbelly. You don't want a smelly underbelly. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I think at least Steve might give Miami Connection a look. Oh, he will. Don't worry about that. Nobody wants a smelly underbelly. Nobody wants a smelly. He'll watch that before Tenant and uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. That's right. My money's on that. And a box that eats Nazis. (laughs) The Raiders of the Lost Ark. (laughs) I like Scott Pilgrim. I think it's an underrated movie. Good. Uh, Yeah, it it came and went just came out and vanished it really did it's already 11 years old yeah the the year that um this is a little bit of a digression but you know hollywood has been using san diego comic-con as kind of a litmus test for what they think is going to be huge and the two movies 
uh, that year that um, they really thought were going to be hits <clears throat> were Scott Pilgrim and Sucker Punch. Mm. Oh, man. <laughs> and which, Sucker Punch. Both of which did dismally. And after that, they really were heavy meetings uh, in L.A., mm-hmm. basically trying to figure out what is the efficacy because both of those movies tested huge at San Diego. Yeah. And they flatlined at the theater. And they were That's like, weird. these fucking nerds are not a good barometer for what's going to be a hit. Nope. They were niche audiences, both of them. Exactly. It was it was a crowd that was predisposed to like those movies. Yep. But uh, in the case of Scott Pilgrim, the uh, failure was... A shame in this case of Sucker Punch, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's really pretty. It's a yeah. good looking movie, but it's it's not a good movie. Yeah, we, we actually covered Sucker Punch uh a while uh, early one. Early early on. And uh we had uh we had a pretty interesting discussion about it and like some of the stuff that Snyder was kind of putting out there and we were kind of like it's it's the kind of thing you look at now and go, huh? Well, I, I don't really, I, you know, Zack Snyder. That's a whole long conversation. Zack Snyder, by all accounts, is an incredibly nice guy, and I got nothing against him as a human being. Um, but like, but... especially in the case of Sucker Punch, that seemed like a dumb guy trying to make a smart movie. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. That's. Yeah, because I think he was really trying for something profound, but he just didn't have the bandwidth to make it happen. And I think he had good taste in what he was trying to be influenced by, because I'm sure he watched some Dennis Potter. He had to have seen Singing Detective or Pennies from Heaven, something where he was trying to kind of integrate musical elements into a dramatic story. But he didn't, it was like he didn't understand why it worked there and wouldn't work for him. That's fair. Yeah, that's, Good point. That's not fair. a bad summary, actually. No. <laughs> it, it, anyway, uh, Bob, thank you. I appreciate it. It was fun. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. Uh, Don't lie. Yes, it was. That <laughs> no, was fun. Thanks to Fesley and Music. Please check out our website at cinementalpod.com to listen to all of your previous episodes. And don't forget to download and subscribe to Cinemental wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can always listen to new episodes at cinementalpod.com. Also, you can follow us on all major social media accounts at cinementalpod. For Asan Godwin, Latham Conger III, Bob Fingerman, and myself, we say thank you so much for listening. And so, in the words of our friend and triple play of terror, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.